Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to uncovering everything you never knew you needed to know when it comes down to your health and wellness. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health. After working in traditional healthcare for four years, I grew disenchanted with the gimmicks and the garbage, scare tactics and scarcity mindset, and all the things that were being pushed on people to make them fear their bodies instead of actually using them to live the lives that they so deserve. This podcast will give you all the tools to demand a life worth living instead of sitting your best days out on the sidelines. We get really raw around here, so grab your headphones and let's jump right into today's episode. Every so often I'll sit down and I will write a list of potential podcast topics so that I'm not caught off guard when it comes time to schedule a podcast release. And I was kind of like, I try to keep up with themes and it doesn't really work very well because I don't like being put in a box and I eventually rebel against myself. And I was trying to come up with things for like the end of December slash January because I was like, oh, well, it's a new year and I want everyone to be empowered in dealing with their health and their wellness and navigating those elements with their providers. And and then I was, I like stopped dead in my tracks and I was like, isn't it like crazy that we need something arbitrary like the change of a calendar to propel us into thinking about how to change our lives for the better? And again, me being the rebel that I am, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, first of all, the theme of this entire podcast and my practice in general, my brand is to get your damn lives back. And that doesn't mean get your damn lives back on January 1st. It means get your damn life back today. So that was number one. And the second thing is like... January 1st doesn't mean shit. It's a calendar day. Why aren't we, like, why do we save up what we want to do to better ourselves, better our health, better our lives in general? Why do we save that for a calendar date? That means nothing, essentially. So today we're going to treat every day like December 31st slash January 1st, and we're going to take our damn lives back every single day of our lives. Um... But I thought it was funny and I was laughing before I hit record because this was supposed to be one of the episodes that got released into the new year. And then again, like I rebelled against myself and against my own idea. So this is actually getting released early. Um, So yeah, we're rolling with it. So this episode in particular was inspired by a conversation I had with one of my private clients and it really got me thinking that there is so much shit in, I want to say the medical field, but it's not just the medical field. It's like the health and wellness realm. Like there is so much shit. There are so many smoke and mirrors. There is a lack of transparency. And I don't know, like, truth be told, and I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if it's a scarcity mindset. I don't know if it's a God complex. But people who work with others in the health and wellness field, there's a million of health and wellness fields, right? Or like I should say um, specialties, but as a field 
as a whole, in the field as a whole, I feel like there's so much misinformation and like you don't know whether the information you're receiving is legit or who to trust. And it's kind of like, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I can see why there is such a lack of trust and there's a lot of mistrust in the medical community and with licensed providers. And this is why things like supplements that are either giving you very expensive urine at the best or are actually doing more damage than anything. That's why like you don't really know about them. You take them and seeing instead of seeing a doctor, then there's fat biases within the medical community. So fat people are less likely to see a doctor and that contributes to health issues down the line. And then what else was I thinking about? Oh, like the essential oil thing. So it's like, on one end, it's crazy that all these placebos and this lack of care and like trying to take your own care into your own hands, it's crazy that that's a thing. But at the same time, it's like no shit that's a thing because care in our medical field is garbage. Like it's such garbage, especially when you're getting like five to 10 minutes with a licensed provider in some of these cases. So they don't know your story. They don't have adequate time to look at you as a whole entire person. And this is a lot of things get missed and stuff and it takes forever to people get diagnosed and helped with things. So I was thinking about all of that. It's a very big long intro, but I was thinking about all of that and I was like, we need to come back and start educating ourselves on it's kind of like buyer beware because you are and myself included we're all healthcare consumers, right? So while we feel like the professionals whose hands in which we are placed, we feel like they have the answers, we also have to be really mindful of that product that we're purchasing, whether that product is an actual service, so working one-on-one with them, working with them through a program, or even just buying into their treatments for us. We really have to be discerning with knowing what's within that person's scope of practice and using that to really hold like give some weight to whether to go with a certain solution versus question it right um and I don't think a lot of people really know what to look for and myself included like I I always run by things with people who are in the medical community when I hear something I'm like eh, I kind of feel like you shouldn't be giving me that advice because that's not what you do and um, so that's me as a healthcare consumer but then also me as a provider I hear advice being given to clients prior to finding me or while working together from other providers and I'm just like that's a load of fucking bullshit why did that person say that So while this is not an all-encompassing episode, because obviously I don't know every single scenario, I am going to show the scenarios with which I am familiar and that I see on a pretty consistent basis that just want make me want to rip my hair out because it's so negligent. And I will give this disclaimer too, in that A, like we have to say this isn't medical advice. Everybody's different. Every situation's different. Make sure that you're consulting somebody and getting a second opinion if that's involved and all this other stuff. But um, 
my other thing is that is that I don't think that these people have malicious intent. I really, really, maybe it's the optimist in me, but I really think that these people deep down do want to help others and they do feel that they are helping others by giving this advice. And I mean, you do have your douchebags who are trying to push a product and make a sale and make money off of your insecurities or your lack of, and this isn't meant in like a bad thing as a bad thing, but your lack of education, because if you're not a healthcare provider or in the healthcare field, you don't really know what to look for. And I do feel like there are predatory people out there who prey on that and they kind of take your ignorance as a weakness and then try to capitalize upon that. So like everything with this podcast and my like me in general, I really want to get information out there that gets you thinking about things like this and thinking like, hey, maybe I should seek a second opinion. Maybe I should ask more questions. I don't know what questions to ask. Let me ask this. So it takes you like it gets the wheels turning a little bit more so you're more active in your own health and wellness rather than just taking things as you're being told them, especially when you're at a critical point in your life where you want things to change and you want to get healthier and you want to get your damn life back. Um, so today we are talking about is your provider overstepping their bounds in regard to the advice that they're giving you. The first thing that immediately popped into my head is a pelvic health professional was the Emcella chair. And if you're not familiar with this, I'm happy you're not. But for those of you who are, the Emcella chair is a chair, and I'm still not quite sure the logistics of this, but essentially the Emcella chair is a chair that you sit in in a provider's office and supposedly it does a thousand Kegels for you in 28 minutes. Now, who needs to do a thousand Kegels? I don't know. Why you need to be Kegeling for 28 minutes? I don't know. But the thing that not only is this garbage treatment. So remember, if you've been sticking around here for a while, you will know that Kegels alone ain't going to cut it. You can be the strongest Kegler. You can do 10,000 Kegels in 28 minutes. And it doesn't mean that you have a healthy pelvic floor. It does not mean that you're going to stop leaking. It does not mean that your prolapse is going to be fixed. None of that. Because we're not addressing how your pelvic floor performs with the rest of your body. What does the coordination look like? And what do those other moving parts look like? It's a literal total body experience. So the fact that pelvic health and pelvic muscle, pelvic floor muscle conditioning in general is dumbed down to being this like Kegels only, vagina only. It pisses me off. It's so dismissive. It's so negligent. And it it is like a blip on the pelvic floor radar. So that's number one. That that pisses me off, number one, with the stupid chair. But the more overarching issue is where these types of chairs and there are other products out there like this, where they're placed. So I've heard Things like these are in dermatologists' offices, in OBGYN's offices, in MD's offices, in surgeons' offices. 
And like, you're like, oh, well, an OBGYN and MD, oh, you're a gynecologist is another one. So, and you're like, oh, well, what, or in a ur- urologist too, as I'm like going down the list. And you're like, well, they're all medical providers. Isn't that good? And the answer is, fuck no. None of these providers, your OBGYN and your MD and your urogyn and your urologist, all of them, all of them included, none of them know how to perform a pelvic floor muscle assessment. They can tell you red flags. They can tell you when to be concerned. They could tell you when you might potentially need like a more invasive, less conservative intervention, but none of them do what I do. And that sounds so elitist, and I don't mean for it to sound like that, but I'm going to take the reins on this, and I'm confident in saying none of them know how to do what I do. They don't know how to assess you, so like, what does your strength actually look like? Are they assessing all three layers of your pelvic floor? Do they know when to give you a Kegel versus when to help you relax your pelvic floor? Because again, if you've been hanging out here for a while, Leaking is not always indicative of a weak pelvic floor. You could have a tight pelvic floor. And in that case, if you're Kegeling, at best, it's going to be a waste of your time. At worst, it's going to make your leaking worse. So these providers, all the ones that I just listed and the ones that have no business going anywhere near your pelvic floor, like a dermatologist, unless they're doing a skin check, These providers cannot tell you what to do for your pelvic floor muscle function. They also are not, they have no idea what to look for as far as how other parts in your body play into pelvic floor function and vice versa. I do that. That's my job. I can tell you how many reps and sets of what specific exercises to do. They cannot. And I actually got into a big argument with a colleague, I think it was last year, who I was saying, like, it. I don't understand how it's not within scope of practice or how it's with, I should say, how it's within scope of practice for a surgeon or an MD to give specific exercises for a patient. And this is like any, any um, part of the body, not just pelvic floor. So like, for example, like, a total knee replacement. Why is your surgeon and your MD giving you an exercise program when they've had a post-op consult with you for what, five minutes, maybe 10? They have no idea what your body looks like. And I don't think it's a dangerous thing, but I think it's super misleading. So for example, back when I worked for um, another company, I didn't have NewQuest. I was working for someone else and a man came in who had just had a knee replacement and he showed me a list of exercises his surgeon gave him and one of them was strapping a five pound ankle weight onto his ankle, lying on a table and lifting his leg. So like your knee is totally straight and you're lifting your leg off the table, back down on the table, whatever. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, you can't even keep your leg straight doing that without a weight so why is he making you do five pounds and he's like argument arguing with me he's like this is what the surgeon told me 
So I was like, all right, well, let's check it out. And we strapped the five pound on him and it was a disaster. It was a disaster. His knee, he could not keep his knee straight. And I was like, this is such a fucking shit show. Like, why are these surgeons giving out these exercises? And this is where, so like I say it's negligent and it's misleading because one, your MD is not spending ample time with you to do a full body assessment. So we don't work in compartments. Our body doesn't work in individual parts. It works as an entire system. So when, if you have a knee injury or a knee surgery, I'm also looking at your hip and I'm also looking at your ankle and I'm actually looking at your core because what lives above and below a structure affects it and vice versa. So I have an hour, I have 90 minutes to watch you do all the things. I have that time to watch your, to look at your mobility and your strength and your performance and your balance so that I can write you a detailed exercise program to address all of those. I also have the education in how to program exercises to fit what you need, to fit your functional goals, to fit what my functional goals for you are. MDs and surgeons and OBGYNs do not have that training. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a knock on them. It just is what it is. They don't know how to program exercises. They don't know how to program your reps, your sets, your specific exercises, regardless of whether they're an orthopedist, uh, you're a gynecologist, whoever. If they're not a physical therapist or a, I was gonna say a certified personal trainer, but they're knowledgeable in other areas. So a certified personal trainer, a CPT, they can program, they do have the knowledge to program for you, however, They do not have that knowledge to program for you around an injury or a surgery. That's what a physical therapist does. That is literally what we do (laughs) in our profession. So we understand tissue healing. We understand what it looks like when a muscle is healing versus a ligament versus a tendon. We understand how to load you, how to um, progress you, how to program how many reps you need, sets. We understand the difference between building a muscle strength versus building a muscle's endurance. We get all of that. That is what we do. And when people say, oh, you're a glorified personal trainer, okay, if you want to think of it like that to remember what I do, yeah, that's exactly what I am. I am a glorified personal trainer who understands how to program exercises efficiently to get you so that you either don't need surgery overcome your surgery and rehab your whole fucking body so that you're not sitting on the sidelines because of a surgery and then you're like oh well I should have not never gotten that surgery that is my literal well one part of my literal job is to do that so if you want to call me a sort of a glorified personal trainer go for it like I don't care I don't take offense to that but that is that is the nitty-gritty of it like your MD regardless of what specialty they are they don't know how to do that they don't have the schooling so I was saying I was like how can they give this advice when it's not within their scope and this guy who's also a physical therapist so I don't know why he got all butthurt but probably because I was questioning MDs he was like how could you say that they understand they understand 
And then I'm sitting there thinking of all the MD scripts that came in when I was working in in, in network clinic with the proposed exercises. And I have yet to find an exercise program that was actually appropriate for the patient. Because what happens is because MDs don't have that background, they might have one exercise science class in their entire curriculum, maybe, and that's probably an undergrad. What happens is they have like, it's kind of like a template. So like you throw a diagnosis in and this template spits out like specific exercises. So the problem with this, it doesn't sound that bad, right? But the problem with this is that it doesn't take nuance and individuality into account. So if you have lower back pain, you're going to get the same lower back pain program as Mabel, who's like 50 years older than you and hasn't gotten off the couch in like months. Whereas you have lower back pain and you're a runner and you're 50 years younger than Mabel and you're getting the same cookie cutter bullshit template that she is. So this is another problem with the whole thing. Um, so it's not their job to do that. That's my job. The other thing is I heard this from a client last year was she had hip pain that just it just didn't resolve like nothing she did resolved it. So she went into her MD, her orthopedist, and he told her, you do Pilates all the time. You work out enough. You don't need to go to physical therapy. (laughs) And I'm sitting there like, shit, man, what the fuck? And I evaluated her like she hired me and on her evaluation I was like yeah you do Pilates all the time but this is what we found this is what we found this is what we found let's see how we can incorporate that into your Pilates with more control with more core involvement with more pelvic floor involvement and see if that makes a difference and it did so just because you work out and this is going to be a future podcast episode I don't know when it's coming out but just because you're quote unquote fit and you work out a lot does not mean that physical therapy is not for you or you wouldn't benefit from it you might not need as much of it as Mabel but an initial consult kind of trying to find where what your body mechanics look like and where you might be able to improve them might be in the cards for you and it might be actually really beneficial and it might actually ensure that you're able to do things that you love like Pilates for the rest of your life without making things complicated for lack of a better word down the line where your hips getting involved and you can't do things like Pilates because your hips screaming in pain. This point is kind of related in that I want you to all to understand how insurance works in this country. So um, I'm like right off the top of my head, this happened with people who have had total hip replacements and it's now happening with people who are having knee replacements in that they go to their surgeon and the surgeon more or less tells them, you're strong, you don't need PT. Just walk. You'll be fine. Just do stretching. You'll be fine. Just swim. You'll be fine. And the fact of the matter is, this is where we have to think about what are those special interests, right? 
So the way our insurance works, our insurance system unfortunately works, is that we have what's called bundled payments. So the insurance company will give a lump payment to your surgeon and like everything involved with that surgery. If you have somebody like a PT coming in and helping you as a result of that surgery, now some of that payment has to go to the PT. So that takes a cut from the actual surgery and gives it to somebody else. So be really mindful of that too and take like that plus like MDs, surgeons, orthopedists, your gynecologist, gynecologists even sometimes, they don't know what physical therapy is. They have no fucking idea. And again, this is not a slight at them. Our profession sucks at marketing ourselves. We suck at talking ourselves up. We suck at telling people how important we are because we are. We suck at standing up for ourselves. So we are essentially low man on the totem pole. Nobody knows what the fuck we do. Nobody knows how we can help. And nobody understands how imperative physical therapy, when done correctly and not at a mill, when done correctly, how important physical therapy is in regaining your function and preventing complications down the line if you have something going on with you, regardless of whether you've had surgery for it or not. Um, so this, this is something to be really mindful of. So those two factors will really play into your conversation with your surgeon or your MD or whoever, because they either are involved with bundled payments and they don't, and it's kind of like not, in their best interest monetary wise to give a portion of that payment away to another provider or they have no fucking idea what we do or their viewpoint of physical therapy is three people to one physical therapist per hour everybody's laying on a table everybody's getting hot pack everybody's getting stim everybody's getting ice everybody's with the tech for most of that time who's not skilled in anything and it just is such a horrible look for our profession so that's why I say when done right, when you're not in a mill, all of this stuff. And if you have questions about that, please let me know because I get fired up talking about this. I always say that like I like this is an amazing, amazing profession that could change so many lives, but it's being bastardized by corporate healthcare fucks and it really drives me insane. So um, that's kind of where I wanted to go with that. I was actually talking to a new client this morning and we were talking about like mesh surgeries. So for example, like if you have an organ that's not behaving the best and you kind of need it to stay in place and your muscles aren't working efficiently, you get what's called a mesh. So like there's bladder meshes, there are meshes for hernia and all this stuff and the meshes will usually fail. And I really like, I don't have any evidence for this, but based off my brain, I think some of that failure is because you don't learn how that particular injury, like a hernia, came into play. Something happened. Like, were, is your core weak? Are you compensating by holding your breath with most of the things you do? What does your pelvic floor look like? What does the mobility and strength of your back look like? And like, you can get the best surgeon in the world and have a mesh placed. But until we conquer those 
precursors, those things that are con- that have possibly contributed to you needing that surgery in the first place, your mesh is going to fail. Okay? Like, it's going to fail. That's like putting, a, like, there's a leak in the dam and you literally put a Band-Aid over it and it stays for, like, two seconds and then the fucking thing gets bigger. Same, that's the exact thing with surgery. And um, you really have to, like, think about it in this way that, like, your body is amazing. Your body can learn one thing and then it can unlearn it. And then have it work for you. So like I feel like there's a lot of misinformation about that. I don't really know why I started talking about that. But I think that is a good aside also. Oh because I was thinking actually I remember. A lot of surgeons like. um, If you remember Caitlin. I had Caitlin on the podcast last year. And we were talking about how she had her bladder mesh surgery. And she wasn't referred to actual pelvic floor physical therapist. Her urogynecologist had her doing some stupid bullshit in his office. He's not a pelvic floor physical therapist. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know how to help her. He just knew what he knew, which wasn't shit. And um, her mesh failed. Now, am I blaming him because her mesh failed? No. Do I think that her mesh might have benefited her and she might have had better results if she had seen a pelvic floor physical therapist after the surgery? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we need to get to the core of it, like the precursor to all of that. And he told her that she didn't need it. It was going to be a waste of time, whatever. And that's not the case. So keep that in mind in the back of your brains. The other note that I made for myself that I forgot to address here really quick. um, A lot of MDs also, this is going off of the fact that they don't understand the musculoskeletal musculoskeletal system like we do and exercise programming like we do and everything that goes into it they'll fear monger and again I don't think this is done maliciously I just feel like it's um ignorance and this is not their job to keep up with current research especially exercise revolving around exercise like it is for us so we have to continually take um education credits to upkeep our license So we have to keep up with current research for the most part. And there's a lot of outdated information out there that MDs still perpetuate. Like squatting is going to ruin your knees. Running is going to ruin your knees. Sit-ups are going to ruin your core. Your back is going to explode if you do sit-ups for your workout. And it's all a load of garbage. So when they say things like exercise is dangerous, I want you to ask why. And the only ways... That certain things are dangerous are if you have a particular surgery where something is contraindicated because your surgery is still healing. Immediately off the top of my head, I can think of rotator cuff surgery. So if you've ever had a rotator cuff repair in your shoulder, there are certain movements that are limited. Actively using it is limited and this is all for a certain amount of time to allow for that surgery to heal. Other things, like if you just have osteoporosis or if you have back pain, there's nothing contraindicated for you unless you have spinal cord stuff going on. But like there's nothing contraindicated for you. If you don't have a fracture, if you haven't fallen off a building, if you haven't had a surgery recently, the only bad exercise is one that's executed badly or poorly, I should say. And guess who can help you determine that? A physical therapist. A good one, though. Not in a mill. All of that. So I wanted to throw that in there as well. And while I sat there and talked 
such great things about physical therapists. I wanted to touch on some not so great things. So um, things that I've been seeing, and it's not just with PTs, it's with a lot of other professions. And um, it's giving nutritional advice, supplement advice, take these supplements. If they're not a registered dietitian who actually went to school to meal plan for you and determine if your meal planning and what you're eating is good for you and helping you and contributing to your health. If they're not an RD, tell them to shut the hell up. They're overstepping their bounds. PTs and certified personal trainers do this a lot and it makes me mad um, because they don't, like they can give general nutritional advice, right? So like, hey Mary, you're not drinking enough water. Why don't you, you like this is the guideline, blah, blah, blah. Hey, John, you're not eating enough leafy greens. Maybe try this. They can't sit there and write a fucking meal plan out for you. They can't do it. A lot of them do it. A lot of them suck. Ask what their background in nutrition is because you're going to want to make sure that it's something legit. That's number one. The other thing, a lot of them pretend like they're mental health providers and I can guarantee you a lot of them are not. So I've seen this and it drives me insane where it's like exercise is the best mental health care you can get. Ah, exercise your way out of anxiety so you don't need your medication anymore. Your physical therapist cannot tell you, they can't even tell you to take an Advil. We cannot tell you what medications to take. We can tell you, ask your, your MD about this. Maybe this will help. We cannot tell you what to do. We cannot tell you to go off your meds. We cannot take, tell you to go on your meds. We can't tell you shit about any medication. We also are not mental health professionals. We can't help you with your relationships. We can't help you with your self-esteem if you're struggling with that. We can't help you with, I don't know. I don't know. Like your relationship with your husband, your relationship with your kids. Like we can't help you with that. We can't help you with past trauma. So um, as a pelvic floor physical therapist, a lot of my clients who are, are experiencing pelvic floors that are not the best at relaxing, a lot of times trauma will be held in the muscles of the pelvic floor. So I can give them that information. I can refer them to a mental health provider. I'm not going to pretend like I can help with their mental health stuff. I can, I'm not. That's not my realm. And why these practitioners think that they can do it all is insane to me. So like I actually had a client we were talking the other day and her GI doctor, her gastroenterologist basically told her she was depressed and she just needs to go and be more active. And I fucking hit the roof. That is not his scope. That is not his territory. Like, no, unless you have a licensed mental health professional telling you that, no, no, it's, it drives me insane. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to note as well was with certified personal trainers. So I mentioned this a little in the beginning, but I really want to drive home the fact that a certified personal trainer does not have the knowledge that a physical therapist does in rehabbing injury and um, rehabbing you after surgery. And they also do not have the ability to give you a meal plan or give you nu specific nutritional advice because unless they have that background. 
So again, you want to ask them because like I used to think this actually, I was a, a certified personal trainer, a CPT back in the day when I worked in marketing and I loved it. And everyone around me was giving out meal plans and like, oh, it's so easy. And I was like, oh, this is so great. And I was thinking about incorporating that into my services. And then there is a a high profile fitness professional who I really respect. And I actually reached out to her because I noticed she was the only one in the space. Like she has an online, a huge online presence. And um, she does like streaming workouts and all this stuff. And she's the only one that I've seen that doesn't have meal plans. And I was like, there's got to be a reason why she's not doing this. So I actually reached out to her and I asked her and she said, honestly, that's not within my scope. She's like, I'm not going to be like everyone else because I'm not comfortable doing that. Like, let them do what they want. But I do not have the qualifications to do that. So then I was like, she's actually got a point. So I also did not do that. Um, but there are people who do not ha- are do not have any ethical drive in them and they don't give a fuck. They're going to sell you on the weight loss. They're going to sell you on the amazing beach body and they're going to sell you on the diet, right? Because those are all the sexy things to sell. This is why I am not making the money that I can be because I'm not going to be a an unethical piece of shit at the end of the day. And it makes my life a little bit harder, but I'd rather it be this way than the other way around. So um, be mindful of that. So back to what I was saying about CPTs, they don't, again, have the knowledge to rehab you from things like injury and surgery because they don't understand tissue healing. They don't understand um, how that progression should look. And for me, it feels like really intuitive. Like, how does somebody not know this? And I like... I was thinking that they did. So like when I was first starting out as a physical therapist, I was like, there's so much competition out there. And like, how do I just differentiate myself from a CPT? They have the same knowledge I do. And I saw some of the stuff that was coming in with clients from their CPTs, like pretending like they can help their injuries. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, they don't know how to go from that really, really lower level or like really what to look for um, and give you specific programming for that injury and how you're compensating for that injury and what potentially led to that injury and as well as far as compensations go and how to progress you to the point in which they are more knowledgeable, like progressive overloads, like you're in a gym and all of this stuff, you're going to CrossFit, whatever they don't have that background like a physical therapist does. And it took me a really long time to understand that and really see that for what it was. So um, that's the information I'm passing on to you. So this is why when people are like, well, I have a personal trainer, like, why do I need a physical therapist? Also, that is why, like, I can't help you get ready for a barbell competition. I have no idea how to do that. But I can tell you somebody who does. And I really think that like, this is part of where that scarcity mindset and ego complex comes into this God complex comes into play in that we all do things that are so different from each other. So a good provider will be willing to work with other providers in realms in which they are not well versed. So for me, 
I'm super comfortable reaching out to Pilates instructors, yoga instructors, personal trainers for my clients and being like, hey, Bob, I know you're training Beth, but like this is what I'm and of course, this is all all assuming that. Well, no, not assuming because we don't assume anything. This is all given that my client is okay with me discussing with her personal trainer what's going on. So um, that's another conversation for another day. But I'm not going to share things about you without talking to you first. So I'll be like, hey, Bob, this is what Beth and I are working on in physical therapy. Um, We're working on her pressure management. We're working on this. We're working on that. Can you please pay attention to this? And then he'll be like, okay, this is what I noticed with Beth. Can you please pay attention to this? And like we work together as an entire team. I don't do what Bob does. Bob doesn't do what I do. So being transparent with each other and literally having a team of providers around you and behind you is going to be super, super key and super beneficial. There might be some overlap. Sometimes what Bob and I do is exactly the same. So I always tell people too, I'm like, listen, like Bob knows his shit. We got you to the point where you can now work out in a gym without worrying about like your prolapse again. Um, you have the basic tools. Do you, you can fire me in favor of Bob or you can work with me and like whatever, or if you want to work with both of us still, like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it needs to be a transparent conversation. Absolutely needs to be a transparent conversation. Um, and then at the same time, like I don't approach things the way another pelvic floor physical therapist might approach things. So, at the end of the day, just know who your players are. I say that so often, but know who your players are. Know where their specialties lie. Know what their scope of practice is. And if you feel like somebody might be overstepping their bounds, by all means, like open your mouth. Open your mouth. It's a shit show out there. It really is. And that sounds very pessimistic, but I want it to be more of like a cautionary slash empowering tale because I am really passionate about you understanding what your health journey is supposed to look like and having more information in regard to navigating that actively instead of sitting back and taking advice and um, protocol and everything from people who might not know what the fuck they're talking about at the end of the day. That's what drives me. That's what I I like to do. Like I want you to come from an empowered place and not a place of urgency or a place of fear. And um that's kind of what I like my entire my entire thing is. That's my that's my shtick. So as always, thank you so much for hanging out with me in this corner of the podcast world. This episode was a little bit longer than I wanted it to be, but I feel like it was full of important information. Um, So you can go back, take notes, bring stuff to your provider. If you have questions, please reach out to me. All of my contact information is below. And yeah, thank you so much for being in this corner of the podcast world today. And I will see you on the next episode of Finally Fearless. Fearless.